Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Snapshot, episode 55. I'm Brennan Patrick, joined always by Marvel Snap phenom, KM Best. KM, your week in Marvel Snap, sir. Uh, pretty solid. I've enjoyed it. Post-blob nerf, it's been a lot of fun to figure out what's still good. I, uh, I guess I worry that, you know, the weird thing about it is I think I've gotten so used to new cards changing the meta and new balance stuff changing the meta that... It just sort of feels like a little samey when that hasn't happened. Like the decks have gone up and down in how good they are, but they also are sort of similar to how they were before the blob change. Like people are still going to play Thanos blob and it's still going to be quite good. And uh, that is like a little bit interesting. I do think it's a wide open metagame, but it's all stuff I've seen before. Mm. And I, I guess I just... When's the last time a card came out that was like, I have not seen anything like this before? Loki. And I, I really don't know. What, yeah, like Loki, right? And it's just like, I kind of missed that. I don't know. I'm just, I've just been thinking. I've just been thinking. Well, let me ask you. So in regards to the blob nerf, which, you know, I'll break down later, just the effect of it is what is the optimal kind of nerf for you? We talked about obliterating cards in past podcasts. No, that one was perfect. Yeah, so is that is that sort of the optimal the optimal nerf where the card yeah. is nerfed, but the, the deck is still played? Maybe it sees a few changes, but it's still a top deck. Yep, that was perfect. Like, they really threaded the needle of keeping Blob's identity and relative power correct. Mm-hmm. Like, he is still, you know, big six drop, maybe the biggest six drop. And I think if they'd messed up the number a little bit, it could have been a lot worse. Like, too high and he's too good still, too low and he's not playable and it feels like another Mobius thing. And I think I think the number they landed on 15 being their breakpoint was very smart one. Mm-hmm. And I think that more than that, though, adding like it's like the Galactus thing. They added a lever. And yep. so now he's easily fixable if he does become a balance issue, either too low or too high. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And just for everybody listening, that blob nerf was it was previously a six four um, and it is now a six zero. And the new text says merge cards from your deck into this. Um, until it gains 15 or more power uh, ongoing, it cannot be removed, or sorry, moved, not removed. The text is very, very small here. But um, yeah, I mean, talk to me about that number 15 in particular, because we saw another card move away from 15 up to 16, Old Reliable in the form of Destroyer. Why is that the sweet spot, do you think? Can you draw any parallels to other cards that exist in the game? Specifically, the parallels I draw are the Infinite and Devil Dinosaur. Uh, But I think more generally, this can be understood in the context of it probably shouldn't realistically be bigger than a Shuri Red Skull, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's that's how you need to understand blogs like I use Shuri Red Skull here as a byword for what you would understand to be a lane winning threat. And I think like when you think about how Marvel snaps decks tend to play out. The best decks are doing like 60 points in a game or something along those lines. And the question is, are you 20, 20, 20 or are you 30, 30? Right. And so the further Blob gets from being a reliable one card 30, the less immediately lane winning on his own he is. And that 15 means that getting anything in that 30 range is a massive high roll. Now, I I, I do wonder if it might not be just a little too high because I don't think it should even be possible. But I I, I think that like the, the thing with Blob is you want his range to be somewhere between 15 and 25. That's what you want him to be. Mm-hmm. And as long as he's that, I think he's balanced. 
when he's significantly above that, which he was before the change, that is an issue. And so when you look at how math uh, works out, that 15 range seems to solve that more often than the other ranges do. Mm. Interesting. So that's actually a concept we've never talked about on this podcast, the uh, sort of aggregate quantitative value of a deck over the course of a game. You talked about it being 60 as a sweet spot and splitting that 20-20-20 splitting that or 30-30 and you know, assumably zero. Is, like, obviously, it's an oversimplification. Of course, of course. But that I think that heuristics like that are really, really powerful for evaluating new cards that might come into the metagame. Um, when you put them into a deck and you're like, oh, the, the average value of this deck is potentially something like 75, and that's way above rate. So it's very interesting. Yeah, but I mean, that. you could say that about Living Tribunal, you know? <laughs> like, it's... Uh, of course, conte- uh, context is, the, li- is yeah. the second layer on top of that. You know, if your your deck might be a a deck that can value out something like 75, but against a lockdown deck, if that's the top deck in the metagame, it might be significantly lower. So, Right. um, Like when we talk about like lane winning points, though, that typically is going to be about 30. Like 30 is typically pretty uncontestable. It's very difficult to contest at the very least. Mm -hmm. And that I think is like the issue Blob had was just how always it seemed to be above 30 like like that that i think is like not the exact number 30 being the break point but the break point is somewhere in that range like high 20s where the card becomes impossible to realistically beat mm-hmm. if you are not playing it how did you feel about the speed of this ota nerf it felt like it came pretty quick in response they to crushed the crushed it yeah what is that is that different from their process before? Because I remember, you know, a lot of nerfs similar to this, you know, metagames that were dominated by a specific archetype of card, they would come a bit late. It would be like two to three weeks late. Sometimes it felt like this felt like it was really right on the money. Like it was very, very quick. Well, it's because their data backed it up. Mm-hmm. In those previous cases, their data didn't back it up. But in like we talked about how Thanos Blob was like very easy to play and could percolate downwards to all levels where other top decks previously may not be like that. Uh, they made a statement that was like, yeah, this is the number one card on win rate and cube rate. It's mm-hmm. easily the best card in the game. There's no excuse for us not to nerf it. It's <laughs> like, like, like there's no internal contradicting data. There's no skill testing elements of the card. It's just too big and it wins too much. And so we're making it not that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about the rest of that OTA. So we mentioned Blob. Uh, Destroyer was also changed. Destroyer was previously a 615, is now a 616. This is reverted back to the original power, right? Uh, back on yeah. global release. How do you feel about that? Do you think of the game? Is this a reflection of the game being power crept slightly, that this is safe at a, at a 16 power? Or you know, did it maybe never need to lose that power? I got all ready to like make a video that was going to be we should revert all the power nerfs, the one power nerfs that have happened. And when I went back through and actually looked at them, there was like maybe one that I'm wildly confident can be reverted, and that's Captain Marvel. And I think there's probably like one other, but it's not coming to me right now. Like there are less of these than you think. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I guess I just sort of thought in my head that there was a lot of like things that got nerfed in the early meta and they got a power chopped off of them that could now get it back due to power creep. But it's actually just like, Captain Marvel and then Lizard's text. And it's like, oh, that's that's kind of it. When you think about like safe things to revert that in the context of only cards that can get one power back safely. Like mm-hmm. you could argue Bishop Bishop back to three, two could maybe get one power back safely. I think that I think that's reasonable. But I think like. Actually, 
a lot of the nerfs were not just like knocking one power off stuff or like a lot of the nerfs that were taking one power off stuff were like Sandman and sh- were good and they should stay that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think it's my instinct to say, oh, the game has been power crept, destroyers and power crept out of the meta. And that is true, but it got power crept by like the card Silver Surfer, which came out like the month after it got nerfed, right? It didn't get power crept by like all this other stuff. It got power crept immediately. And so I guess what I'm getting at is I think they did a better job having looked at it than my instincts were telling me after the destroyer thing. I was like, how many more destroyers are there out there? And there's like two or three Bishop, Lizard, Captain Marvel that could probably get that point of power back. But I mean, it's not as many as I thought, honestly. Yeah, ongoing destroyer was actually, I don't know if it was the first or the second deck I ever climbed to infinite with. Um, it might have been the first. It was definitely sort of like the big dumb guy deck of that metagame to an extent. Um, it was Silver Surfer before Silver Surfer, right? One thing you have to understand about that metagame is the prevalence of like death based decks. Mm-hmm. And so it was a deck that played Professor X Armor Cosmo. And it just like absolutely ruined those decks. But more importantly, it uh, was the deck that played. The, it was a tech deck, the proactive tech deck that existed that later in the form of Silver Surfer, where Silver Surfer was playing like armor slash goose plus Cosmo. So you just didn't have a lot of ways to deal with it and had a lot of points from the Silver Surfer. And we saw an example of this deck much later in the Marvel Snap lifecycle with Elsa Bloodstone and Mobius and Luke Cage, the proactive tech deck that is getting stats from somewhere else. And Silver Surfer was what replaced Destroyer in that role, but Destroyer was the first ever build of that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Destroyer now, given the buff? Because I helped, couldn't help but notice your Destroyer list that you post on Twitter did not include. This well, yeah, why would it? This new 616. I mean, if it was powerful, what if it was like a 625? I mean, what I'm yeah, trying I mean, to get you to say is that it's a 625. What I'm trying to get you to say is that it's not powerful enough still. That is correct. But it also like the the move from 15 to 16 does nothing. But I don't know what move would. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the move from 16 to 15 kind of did nothing. It didn't get power crept by losing one power it got power crept because silver surfer came out and it did the same thing but better right like the nerf to destroyer is not why destroyer stopped seeing play Destroyer stopped seeing play because it wasn't worth doing what it was asking you to do mm-hmm. and so giving it the power back it's not going to put it back in the metagame really but like at least it gets people thinking about it mm-hmm. all right next up is viper viper is previously a three four is now a three five um, let me know if you want to talk about these individually or if I should just go through them. No, yeah. Yeah. I have talk opinions, to me about dude. Viper here. 3-5. Uh, 3-5 is a great stat line, and I'm glad that they're experimenting with like legit 3-5 with upside because I feel like they're currently constrained because of the way the vanilla stat lines line up. You're like 3-4 with upside. That's what you have to do to make a good card because Cyclops is the vanilla 3-4, right? And it's like, okay. Name one good 3-4 with upside that isn't just something that's actually bigger than 3-4. And before this month, I don't think you could have come up with it. They printed Kyra, actually a good 3-4 with upside, first time ever. And that's pretty much it, right? <laughs> like, this is, uh, 
This is like a very, a very hard space to do something good in unless the thing you're doing is all about your effect, right? If the only thing that matters about what you're doing is your effect and you have the three, four stat line slapped on, right? Like the previous best three, four with upside was Cyclops, who was, you know, a three, four with upside. But what he actually is, is like a three twelve, right? Like that is not exactly what I mean there. You know what I mean? It, it's It's very difficult to make the three cost stat line work because of how good fours and twos are relative to it, right? Why am I playing a three four when I could play Jeff and or Zabu and not have to worry about threes at all? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why, why am I playing a three four when I could be playing a two three Jeff? Why am I playing a three four anything when I could have a Jeff at two three? Like the rate is just messed up. And yeah. I, I so when we talk about Viper at three five, I'm glad they're in this space. I don't think it does much for her, but I will say five power does feel like the break point for me where I'm like, OK, that actually influences Elaine now. That's actually just a, an actual body there. I, I think that's a good a good number. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't think I'm going to see a ton of play with her. Me personally, because I hate when I draw cards late and they're completely useless. And Viper definitely has that issue. Yeah. All right, next up we have Celine. Celine was previously a one negative one, was switched to a one two. So a three power change there. Deserved. <laughs> um, I'm not sure she does anything amazing, but I do like how well she goes with goblin stuff. I do like how like she can fit in the Galactus shells now. I don't think she's going to be amazing, but I think she's at least exciting and likely to be underexplored for an extended period of time because nobody has her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Regarding Galactus, I also saw a reply from Glenn. Um, I think somebody's posting on Discord asking if Galactus could get reverted to the seven power and Glenn said it's possible. No, 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 no. I I, uh, hold on. Hold on. I'm not going to claim any special knowledge of Glenn, but I know how people type on the Internet here. Like. What they said was, could you please tell me that it's possible Galactus <laughs> gets reverted? And he said, sure, it's possible. That's that people. I I, I think he's having a little bit of fun there. I'm going to be real. With that's you. that's hope, Cam. That's cope. And uh, don't, don't you take that really away not. <laughs> I, I. <laughs> oh, oh, you're saying you're coping. I get it. Yeah. Well, you're saying I was coping. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Um, he said it, so it's possible. Um, I'll expect that's it. That's my read. Okay. I think I read that as he's having a little bit of fun, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, shit, what do I know? You know? All right. Next up is Electra. Electra, just previously a one, one has been switched over to a one, two. Electra is an interesting card. Um, I feel like this card has always been one of those cards that comes out. I mean, it's still pretty niche, but it comes out. It's more of like a theory based card. I felt like in actual play, it was just very, very clunky. Um, because it does, it requires multiple things to be going on. It can be pretty bad late and the way priority can be manipulated with a lot of decks that it was good against. Um, it was like you were jumping through way too many hoops. I felt, for, I felt like for Electra to be good sometimes. Um, how do you feel about the power change here? Cause th- if you think about Electra, let's say there's a, there's a powerful dominant one drop that exists in the metagame. You'd be like, okay, mm. this card is consistently a one, a one four, a one five. Like that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And you could be hitting well, you like keep in mind. Go ahead. This is a this is a series one card. 
And that means that buffs to a series one card need to be taken in the context of what that card does to the learning curve in series one. And what Electra does is teach you about priority. And so you can't like completely like butcher her. But what this does tell me is, you know, we talked about how many cards that got nerfed that can now get power back. There are probably a bunch of other cards that can just get a free piece of power. And that's probably worth talking about, because like when you think about it, 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 it does feel like certain energy costs have been pushed significantly, right? Like there's so much competition at four. Fours win games, right? Mm. There and like when you think about fours, fours have seen probably the most power creep, like starting with Darkhawk and continuing through like basically everything. And there's also this bit where. Fives have seen almost no power creep. The best five numbers wise is literally series one. And you, I guess you could argue Ronin maybe kind of power creeps that. I don't really know. But like when you think about where power creep in Marvel Snap is located, a lot of it is at four. A lot of it is at four. And a lot of it is at two. Mm-hmm. And like you have Jeff and Zabu at two. You have Iron Lad. You have Dark Hawk. You have Loki. You have like all this stuff at four, right? And I think that... Blob, of course, at six, but that's sort of a new phenomenon, like Eliath Blob at six. But like before that, it was just, you know, do Magneto were everywhere. Those were the things you did, right? Like, I think that in that context, there are probably a lot of Series 1 cards that could get like a free power. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of them. I don't know exactly how you do it, though. It seems like it'd be kind of a pain in the ass to do it. But like we've seen that with like Squirrel Girl gets a power. It's not a problem. You know what I mean? And I think there's probably a lot of cards like that. Yeah. One thing Electra taught me in my Marvel Stop journey was it taught me about bots. <laughs> yeah, that's where- yeah. That Nightcrawler, the Nightcrawler moving. <laughs> yes. Yep. So if you don't know this, the some of an introductory experience you'll get in Marvel Snap as you progress through the early pools is you'll be encountering bots. Um, both while you play Electra and playing against Electra, you'll play the Electra, they'll move the Nightcrawler. Um, you'll mm-hmm. move your Nightcrawler, they'll play the Electra and kill it. And you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, it do be like that. All right, next up is Dazzler. Dazzler was a 3-2 and is a 2-2 two, two now. So going down to that critical 2 energy spot. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Oh, Dazzler. Jesus Christ. What am I talking about? I thought you said Dagger. And I was like, that's not what happened to Dagger <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, I actually like Dazzler. Um, it's like uh, Mojo U Control. I think that's a pretty solid spot for it to be. I don't necessarily think that it's going to see an overwhelming amount of play, mm-hmm. but I am very interested in it in like bounce shells, yeah. for example, where like you're doing Mysterio Hit Monkey and it's just like a 2-8. And that's just like, oh, I'm very interested in playing a 2-8. That's really good. And things like that make sense to me for Dazzler. I have seen people doing it in like Patriot stuff. I, I don't buy her there. She's not solving the problems in that deck in any real sense of the word. If anything, she actually plays into your weaknesses by being yet another ongoing card that you have to separate from your other ones. I tend to think... That if she makes sense anywhere, it's in like zoo or yeah. hit monkey type things as opposed to 
other things, but I also don't think she's a big needle mover. She's not the kind of card that like, let's say it was Elsa, right? Yeah, yeah. And you could just get like a bunch of procs off the Elsa. She's not the kind of card you could fit into a lot of shells. She only goes where you do the one thing. And I think that that is a good balanced strategy. I don't think it's going to necessarily result in her being elite, but it results in her being compelling. And I think that's enough. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I mean, this is a massive buff as well. We talk about it all the time. Anytime a card moves, oh, three, yeah. anytime a card moves in three to two, um, not only is he a, a huge cost reduction just in terms of numbers, but that, that two slot is just so much more powerful than that three slot in terms of flexibility for the deck. So um, yeah. I was also thinking the same thing for like zoo decks. I wasn't really considering bounce, but I understand what you if, say. You say not yeah, a needle mover. Yeah, it, it's it doesn't fundamentally change the dynamics of any of these decks, but there is a world where it is a part of something bigger than itself, where there's like a critical mass of guys that cost too little. And she is one of those guys, right? Like that is that is the, the case for Dazzler is if and when that happens. Mm-hmm. All right. Hercules, Hercules, previously a four, six is now a four, seven. I don't think this does anything, but I'm just glad to see four sevens. I know I've been banging this drum for forever. It's just like, I why? Like. The fact that the default at is four six, mm-hmm. like, OK, think about a card like White Queen, right? Yep. If the actual number you were expecting to get from your four drop was six, White Queen would be a playable card, but it's not because that's not the actual number you're expecting to get from a four drop, right? Like there's a difference between the the in practice value you get from a four drop and what the game tells you you're supposed to get from a four drop. And so I I, I have been all in on like, just make, make things four sevens. Just keep, just make stuff four sevens. I wanna see it, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I have been, I've been about that. And I think, that that is a good thing. Personally, for me, I think I think it's good that they're willing to move into that space. Mm-hmm. But KM, the information you get off of White Queen is so much is so powerful. <sighs> like, what do you think the average power for a four drop is in like in Marvel Snap? Be like for real. What do you think it is? Because I, I I can't ballpark it, but I can tell you that there's a bunch of cards that are premised off of it being four six. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean like a bunch of cards that are premised off of being four, six. And even those ones that go out of their way and scale up to four, nine, if you complete a quest are unplayable. Like when you think about a four drop right now, think about century Annihilus. Your four drop is just 20. Like think, think about yeah. that. Think about, think about dark Hawk, right? Like it's just like 14 or something mm-hmm. ridiculous, right? That like, White Queen is not just a little bit off. She's off by like six points or something insane like that. Like that's that's what you're trying to get out of your force when you're playing Marvel Snap. Like how much value is Shang-Chi in the average game where you're playing him? Like 14 or something? Minimum 13? How much value is Enchantress? Enormous. Blow up a devil dinosaur? She might as well be like a 419 in those situations. Like that is what you're competing with at that slot. And so you need to put more oomph into it if you're going to try to get one of these cards to be good. Yeah. I guess it's kind of flipping your own question back on you, but if you were going to play a textless vanilla four drop, how much power would it need to have? 
I would strongly consider a vanilla four nine. Dodge okay. Shang. Like I would I would strongly consider vanilla four nine, Dodge Shang, even even a vanilla four eight, just like big unit Dodge Shang B Zabu. I would strongly consider that, right? But like the utility there is Dodge Shang. Right? <laughs> like be as big as you can while dodging Shang Chi. Like that's that's the actual interesting bit of it to me. Mm. Like, I would strongly consider a vanilla 4-9. For the record, it's part of why I'm excited for Call Obsidian, who's very close to a vanilla 4-9. It's like, I actually like that kind of stuff, right? Especially if I can Zabu him down to a vanilla 3-9. That's really sick. I'm very interested in doing that, right? Like, there's there's some stuff that I think is worth doing at, the, at that cost, but I don't think you can ever do it as long as you're pegged to the vanilla stat line is 4-6, right? Like, you just can't. You can't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Like, think about all the four nines there are, right? There's like uh, the thing on high Evo. There's Jessica Jones. There's rescue. And then think about how like unplayable they are. Just absolutely 100% unplayable. Yeah. All right. Last one. Dagger. Um, Dagger was a 2-2. It is, and it said, when this moves to a location, plus two power for each enemy card there. It is now a 2-0. But it says, when this moves to a location, plus three power for each enemy card there. This is the sickest thing they've ever done because this card is still not very good, or at least the shell it goes in is not very good and has not been optimized into something respectable. But I will get like four comments that are like, dude, Dagger is OP. She's a 232. And it's like, okay, did you win the other lane? <laughs> like, it's a Dagger is exactly. Uh, it's such a great card. It, like, this is a great card because somehow they invented a 232 that is has like a 46% win rate. Yep. <laughs> it's just like I'm very impressed with their ability to do that. Like, this is a card that gets enormous and huge like 30% of the time and then just instantly dies for us every other game. Right? It's, it's, it's very cool that they invented a card that people can think is OP without being very good. That said... I don't think people have done enough with Dagger, myself included, to say outright that she's bad, just that where people are playing her currently is bad. Yeah, it's interesting cutting out the um, sort of the base power floor there by taking away the power, but increasing the scaling. I mean, it just makes the card a lot worse when you don't draw it on curve, I assume. Um, Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I think it actually okay. It makes the card worse. I don't think that's true. I think it makes it easier to make it good late, right? So you go like Dagger Ghost Spider, that's just 14 points, right? Like, that's really good, and I think that's probably underexplored in, like, a Sarah context, where it's just like, holy shit, that's a lot of numbers. But right now, all everyone's doing is playing Dagger as a high-investment 32-point idiot, right? Mm -hmm. And when you do that, I think she's bad. But I do think there is probably something to be said for her in other contexts it's just the issue is you have to commit so hard to the move stuff to make her good yeah and that's tough that's interesting because i felt like even in the past i'd seen dagger just splashed into a lot of decks um in that two slot even when angela used to exist in sort of its og sense some people yeah. were kind of like dagger believers i don't i remember when we get molt back on yeah when molt was yeah. really banging the drum on yeah we, on need to get, we need to get molt back on here i'm talking about dagger yeah um all right last thing for the news we had a new card release which was meek which is a one one says after each turn if you discarded any cards gain plus one power for each and move 
Your thoughts? Yeah, he's not very good. Yep. <laughs> That's kind of what we uh, what we predicted in the yep. card review for the month. Uh, how do you feel about? I mean, I think I feel like I ask this every single time we have a card that mm. gets released as way into part. How would you? How would you? How would you bring it up to up to par? Oh, geez, I don't think I would want to. <laughs> I think if I were working for second dinner, I would send Meek back to the fucking lab because I just don't think there's any way for a card like that to be satisfying. It's either like the numbers on it are going to define what it is. So, well, I guess that's not true. When I say there's no way for it to be satisfying, I should I should like expand my mind here. Mm -hmm. That card can never be competitive unless it's broken, yep. which means it's not made for competitive play, which means it's there for the people who want to be like Johnny's and play Wong Modok and have a second payoff for that. Like it's not for me. Right. Like that, that, that I, I, so I wouldn't send it back to the drawing board or anything like that. It's just like, you have to be so careful with a one drop in this game. And we've learned that lesson a lot is like, as soon as a one drop ends up being something that is actually good and can actually win lanes, things get legitimately scary. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that Meek e being so much weaker than Morbius is a consequence of just like, you have to be harsh on ones. You really do. And because of that, you can't actually make this card to a power level that makes sense. There's not any levers on it that I feel comfortable pulling, right? If we suddenly give him plus two every time, he's obviously berserk, right? Yeah. He's just like completely insane. If we start buffing his uh, base power, you run into like power creep issues where it's like, okay, why does this guy get to be a one two? You know what I mean? Like, why? why does this guy get to be a one two with a bunch of upside? Right. Like you could probably do that safely, but it does sort of raise those questions. And. I guess I just don't think there's any real levers to pull with him that I actually like. Yeah. I think Other than like, you know, reverting America Chavez, but making it only runnable in discard or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I think we had a conversation regarding one drops of Marvel Snap like a while ago. And it's just such a sensitive, a sensitive area of the game because we, I mean, we had comments specifically asking us like what we thought about buffing these one drops because they don't see play. Could we give them a power here or power there? And it was like a lot of the problem with one drops was not just like, oh, they play this slightly above rate card on curve, on, but it comes in when their whole entire, they can play basically their whole entire deck late in the game and they just power slam all this stuff where you have things like Kitty Pride, which is it's like ridiculously scaling one drop and it just takes yeah, it, over the It's game. not a coincidence that the most nerfed card in Marvel Snap is the best scaling one drop. Yep. Yeah. Like that, that's not a coincidence. It just goes into every deck as well. It's just, yeah. One drops are really, we, yeah, as we learn more about how this game works and like where the actual knobs are in terms of power level and balance, it's interesting to hone in on these different slots, like looking at the one drop, you know, things like Kitty Pride. But now we're hyper focusing on the two drop and the four drop slot. And we talk a lot about the theory behind balancing cards in the two drop slot. How much more powerful two drops are than three drops in the four drop slot. We talk about that. That sort of six. I can't really figure out why. Like here, here's the thing that I don't get is. I, I know that that's true, but I don't know why. In terms <laughs> of, so what aspect? Like, like, you know how long I've been saying costing two is a superpower? You remember, like, it was, like, f months ago when I was like, the reason costing two is a superpower is because fours win games, right? Yeah. But I don't know why. Oh, why fours win games? Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I got some theories. 
like the power creep stuff like like once dark hawk comes out you're like oh shit how do we ever make another four right wow. like like but like I, I i don't i don't know why like why for example are fives all guy who doesn't die to shang chi and has a beneficial effect or the biggest fucking idiot you've ever seen those are the only things fives are mm-hmm. yeah what's up with that also, what about threes? Like, what what if threes could win games? I mean, that would be a bad experience. Yeah, right? like how like how big does a three have to be to win a game? Well, like, what, what if, if, what if, if it were could? More, like, right, it would just your three would just end up in something like a Sarah. Like, you don't want it would it, like last time threes could win game was Loki, right? Like, so, yeah, yeah, you don't want like, threes to be able to win games, right? Like, do I, mean, you, I don't know. <laughs> like, it, there's this, this this whole weird thing that happens with Snap where it's like when you look at every other like i guess i don't know how to phrase it like four had the rules broken for it so early does mm-hmm. that make sense yep like when you look at fours before dark hawk it's like a very like you know the best fours are you know shang chi and enchantress that's just how it works right yeah but then dark hawk comes out it releases as a four eight zabu comes out everyone realizes it's actually like a four fourteen and then if you work for second dinner, you're in the position where it's like, how do we ever make another four? Yeah. How much did Zabu change that equation? Does Zabu just polarize like fours for eternity? I think so. Okay. I think like if I if you had to make me guess why fours are the ones that win games, it's because of Zabu. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he gets you like it be, part of this is because threes are bad, right? Because why play a bad three when you could play a good four? Yeah, that costs you know three. I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like oh 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 oh. But like when you look at like what fours could be, like go through like go through not just the vanillas. I don't want you to think about just the vanillas. I want you to think about the cards above the vanillas with downside, right? Mm-hmm. So like at the two slot, you have like your vanilla two three, and then you have your two four with downside, right? Uh, and that would be like cloak or whatever. Right. And then you have your vanilla three, four, and then you have sword master as a hard cap. That's a that's a three, six with a massive downside, huge, enormous downside. So like if you want to make a three, six, for example, well, it better have a downside on the level of sword master. And that sort of pushes it down. And then at four, you're like, OK, we have our four, six. And then we have, you know, Jessica Jones, which originally went to four, eight. Things like that, like make like, OK, rescue originally went to like, I think four nine, actually. It's like here. Here's our range. Right. And the rules just get broken more at four. Like, look at something like crossbones. Enormous, enormous downside doesn't pay you off for it. Or like Drax, enormous, enormous downside does not pay you off for it. Like part of the fact that there are so many good fours means that there are probably more bad fours than basically anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like there are more complete, awful, unplayable fours because the rules got broken for fours. It feels like. Yeah, I wonder how much Zabu just limits design in the three drop slot because effectively your four drops can just be three drops. Yeah, I don't think Zabu does that. I think it's like the base. I again, I can't really I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why this is, but I have known intuitively for a year that costing two is awesome and costing three sucks. Yeah, and I'm guessing it. Why? But that's still just guessing. The last time I liked, you know, when I was 
I liked cards that cost a three was back when Sarah was a deck and all, well, the old Sarah but Even decks. then, even back when we were doing Sarah, it was like, what are the best twos we can run? And at least then we had an explanation because Sarah matters more when you're getting a 50% discount than when you're getting a 33% discount, right? Like, but I, I just, yeah, why are fours the ones that are allowed to start winning games? Gotta That's re- really it. Revert like, to like Silver Surfer nerf. Why are fours... Like, why is it okay that th- those ones get the... It's like, it really does feel like the breakpoint is five power. Mm-hmm. Where suddenly that is a threat that has to be respected. Five power really matters. Like, five power, that's a one-two plus a two-three. That's a significant investment. Like, you look at, like, Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom can win lanes. Five power, it matters, right? And there's just more... Like, that's... Naturally, that breakpoint fell in four's favor, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's just a bunch of fours that can be reasonable threats in any given lane. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know the answer either. And I think that my, my one of my bigger questions is also is just like the four drop slot is so powerful. Like, why not the five drop slot? I feel like it's really hard to make because like this was like the five drop slot is actually extremely powerful, but they're all like certain types of guys. Right. I think I think like, OK, five drop slot contains leech, mm-hmm. contains Sarah, Legion, Vision And each of those I view as a sliding scale of utility to power, right? You have your extremely high utility, extremely low power card there. And then it scales upward and upward and upward until you're having less utility, but more power. But the key thing is none of those cards get invalidated by opposing tech ever. And then there's a massive gap and there's Devil Dinosaur and Ronin, who are just the most possible points you can play for five energy. Mm-hmm. And everything in between like Vision and Devil Dinosaur and Ronin is like unplayable. <laughs> that's that's so weird. It's such a weird space because there's like this massive gap from like eight to 15 power at the five drop slot. And I don't exactly know why, but I think the answer is Shang-Chi. Because either you need to be completely enormous or you need to be small enough that you can't get invalidated by Shang, but still provide value. And that's what every five is. Right. And so that's why there's this this giant gap between good fives and Dino Ronin, because like if you were going to play something that was like, I don't know, like like what would even a 512 look like? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Could you print a vanilla 512? Uh... I don't know. See, I think you could. That's the thing. Like, I'm pretty sure you could make a vanilla 512, which is weird, right? Because the vanilla one is 5-9. And when you think about it, 9 is actually an advantage over 12 because of Shang-Chi. <laughs> it's a very odd spot. Five, 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 and 5 is very weird, yes. Yeah. It's interesting. Maybe we'll figure it out <laughs> sometime. I, have no, I really have no idea. Like, because if, if you put me in the design team, I would be like, you know, what we need to make a five nine with upside. <laughs> that would be, be like the first card I would pitch. I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure it's like absolute hack shit. Right. Mm. But like I, I would be like, OK, we have this sliding scale of like Leech, Sarah, Vision, uh, Leech, Sarah, Legion, Vision. Right. What's the most we can push it? What is like slightly less utility than vision, but still the kind of utility you might want? That's what I that's what I would be doing. 
We'll see. We'll see. All right, on to the Ben and Snap section, which is our listener question section. Uh, for the week, if you want to get your question read out on next week's podcast, you can shoot us a comment on YouTube. Before we get into this, Cam, I do have a little story time for you. Um, oh, Jesus. So, both you and I, uh, we do sometimes go to the gym, maybe even going for a few years. I uh, did a, like a new fear unlocked activity at the Dang. gym. Okay. Well, <laughs> first time, first time ever. So, you know how there's a dumbbell? You have your dumbbell. And then you put on the weight um, rack, the weight rack. It's, it's like... Um, you know, it usually has the three tiers. It's flat, and yes. then it has that little metal ridge, so you can you can put the weight on there. Well, for the first time ever, I put the weight down. It missed the bottom rack, and it pinched my my pinky between the, that oh, yeah. metal piece and the dumbbell, and just completely freaking destroyed it. Let me see it. I, Let me see I, I, I I thought about showing it, but it, I just <laughs> saw it. I could see that it was purple. Let I, me get a better look. I don't want to like. So any, if anybody's watching and you don't want to see this, look away right now. But so like. Damn, that's gnarly. Yeah, you should have seen it. Like, so this is like five days in. Yeah, man. I I once had I once had one of my actual nails fall off entirely. Yeah, I mean, this nail is probably toast, but it like no, it it smoked the bone under there as well, and like the hematoma leaked all the way down to the into the big 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 word there. I'll tell you, uh, this nail is actually. I'm not. I'm not doing this just to flip you off. mm -hmm. Like I, I promise, this nail is actually still uneven. A decade later from just growing back a little bit odd, uh, the entire nail just fell the fuck off. Yeah, I'll tell you, though, uh, it hurt a little bit. <laughs> it yeah, got, it was actually pretty painful, to be honest. Because you know, What do you mean? What do you mean? Why are you saying that? Like, I'm surprised that it was painful. I was, I was surprised how much it hurt, bro. I was surprised. No, that's. that's yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I I did it. I knew exactly what I did. I calmly racked the weight, picked up my jacket, walked out, and then I sat down and almost puked. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, on to the bend and snap. Sorry if you anybody had to witness that. Didn't want to witness it, but, you know. First one is from Conrack. They say, I used to go, yes, the new Snapchat is up. Now I go, yes, the new Snapchat and the snapshot. You guys are amazing, Cam. You've helped me improve my game every month. Really appreciate your content. You're on the Mount Rushmore of Snap Creators in my book. So just some nice feedback we got. Also nice in the context of having Alex on recently, the host, you know, yeah. one of the co-hosts of the Snapchat, a very good Marvel Snap podcast. It's cool to see some uh, cross-pollination between the audiences. So it's great to have you here if you came over from the Snapchat. And welcome um, welcome to the Snapshot. All right, next one. Now, uh, Alex, Alex showing up is... Uh, I have been doing this podcast for a year. And that conversation we had with him was probably my favorite one of all time. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the, my favorite moment from the podcast period. Like I I have never put a clip from this podcast on my YouTube channel except that conversation on monetization, which really crystallized a lot of things for me. And then everyone yelled at me for talking while I supposedly had a guest. But uh, deal. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, I've had that happen a lot uh, as well. All right. Next one is from God Body Roku. They say, when it comes to re- reverting back certain cards, bring back Black Bolt stature to their original power. Oh, God. We talked about this, right? Like, we talked about, like, cards that are, like, I specifically omitted them from the cards that it was <laughs> safe to put the power back on because it's, like... Black Bolt is a card that everyone is like, ah, oh, yeah, that'd be cool if it was in the metagame until it's in the metagame discarding your shit. Yeah. It's just not fun. Like, it's just, it, it, I, I do not think that 
I don't think necessarily Black Bolt stature would instantly become good again. But I also don't think that, like, it's exciting to have another 5-8 utility dipshit, right? We just talked about how, how like, that is already very well-worn territory, right? You have your Legion, your Vision in that range doing the same thing. I just don't see the need for, like, a less fun version of those. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's interesting discussion when you talk about toxic mechanics in card games. So, um discarding cards, basically anything that lets your opponent not play the game. Um, but like how much of that should exist in a card game? Because there is there although those mechanics are almost objectively bad, um, you know, one player has fun, one doesn't. If you actually evaluate, like, players do enjoy it. Like, I know it's a subset of players, but those players do exist. They do enjoy those mechanics. And, you know, I've been one of those players in the past uh, at some point. It's like, how much of your game should, how much of your game should actually have stuff like that in it? And to what extent, how good should it be? Because I think if we, like, if we went on pure theory in terms of, like, how to develop a card game, pure theory, optimal theory would be, like, don't include any discard bullshit. Don't include any lockdown. Don't include any kind of blow. You really think lanes. that that was what – you really think that? I don't yeah, think that I think that would be – I think no, that would be Jesus. if you followed pure, like, design and fun. No way. I think so. I just don't think that's how they you think about it from a top-down design. You think – because you know that there are multiple kinds of players, Right. You know that there are people who like playing blue-black control. You know that there are people who like feeling power regardless of whether or not it's there. And what you want is for them to go out of their way to feel that power, not for it to be a free roll. And the issue with Black Bolt specifically is that it would be a free roll. Like, if you buff him into playability, you are definitionally asking for, let me just play this 5-8 with upside, please. Mm. Like, you're not... That's not the kind of thing that should realistically in a game like this, you can do it in other games, but be stapled onto a card when the main function of the card is I would like to have this, you know, guy who doesn't die to the major premier removal spell on the format who I can just put in a lane and feel confident with. And I'd like some upside stapled to him, please. I would argue it is much more fun to have that be Legion or vision than it is to have that be black bolt those are both more dynamic and interesting cards that fill a similar role and if you want to be the guy who rips his opponent's hand apart you should be going through effort to get there mm. yeah i think people have a bit of nostalgia for black bolt stature and have some rose tinted glasses on i it mean it was so it was by far the best deck in the game to a degree that was like unprecedented at the time i believe like it was like yeah, and it lingered very around after egregiously well. strong. Yeah, I do think it would probably be fine on power to revert them, but it's just like, why would you? Right? Like, what is the upside of reverting these? You're just making another five eight that has some ups. It's cool, man. Just sick. Congrats! Like, there's another one now on that five drop continuum. Great job. Mm-hmm. All right, next one is from Mix and Love. They say, question for KM: Since the end of the day. Since at the end of the day, Marlstaff is a game about points and there's no card advantage, attrition, or minion combat, do you think there is a mathematical way to determine the points? The points output range over average for each deck? Kind of what we talked about earlier, to be honest. I'm not smart enough to calculate or run simulations on this, but I feel like it is probably possible and should be the main metric used for balance. Uh, It may be possible, but I do not think that should be the main metric used for balance. I think that 
one of the issues that many people have with Marvel Snap is that it's a highly context dependent mm -hmm. game. The context, not just of the deck you're playing and the deck your opponent's playing, but of the cards you drew, the specific cards they have, the potential for specific cards, the fact that your locations are going to be different in every single game. Marvel Snap is probably one of the most context dependent games that there is. Your deck is going to play differently depending on the game that you're in, the locations that you get every single time. And I think this manifests in two ways. The first is people often ask for, uh, I need some hard and fast rules for this deck. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you other than like play Zabu on two, right? Like uh, put two units in the lane. You're trying to miss Marvel, put Miss Marvel in the middle. Like there, there, there's not hard and fast rules that you can actually use that will help you get great in, in, in that sense, right? Like I can tell you what to think about at various spots, but I can't do it for you because every game is going to be so different. And like a deck like Loki, for example, really maximizes this. Every game is extremely different type of deck where it's like, I think that the main thing that throws a wrench into the idea that this should be the main balance thing is the existence of tech cards. That's that's the main thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think it could potentially be useful, but really what we'd be talking about is the context relative to everything else. Yeah, I'm trying to think about if Marvel Snap is the most context-driven card game I've ever played. Um, probably. I'm definitely a context disbeliever. Um, like, I think that con like this idea of context evaluation of cards leads a lot of people astray in other card games uh, specifically. So in card games... How, that wait, how so? So in card games that have card advantage, people will play dog shit cards because they look like they're going to be good. Um, like, they have to jump through oh, shoot hoop. So... Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I, I think that even that is... Like, I think what, you, what you're describing is not people who are... Those cards aren't good in context, but they're pretending they are. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's not the same thing as using context. That's not using context. It's the yeah. opposite of that. It's it's hiding behind it as an excuse uh, to play a situational card instead of a good one. Yeah, my my idea is that the Pareto would be you would just take all of the quantitatively most value cards however you want to determine the quantitative value of a card you have to develop your own system um some systems would be easier than others flesh and blood would be easy Lorcana would probably be hard magic would probably be hard as well um but you create whatever system and then you just play the cards that are the highest value in in a vacuum to be honest and eight so pareto is the 80 20 rule and 80 percent of the time you'll probably have a better deck than the person that doesn't do that as your first line of sort of evaluation when it comes to cards and I'm like a super I just think that nobody player. like, yeah, if you were a baby who was being birthed into a world of pure thought, maybe that would make sense. But we already exist in enough context soup that I think doing that would be like trying to like it'd be like trying to go back to a time before the car was invented. You know well, what I mean? That's like, the thing yeah. is, I, I think it's, like I actually you're, think it's a bell curve. That's what's funny is I think that you're right at the, at the beginning of the bell curve. Then you go to the top of the bell curve and it's more context-based evaluations. You're like, and obviously Marvel Snap might be a bit different. So that's where this, this discussion can be lost. But then as you get to the end of the bell curve, right? I feel like you're just describing flesh and blood. No, also Lorcana, also Magic the Gathering, 100%. Like 100% those those games in particular, even more than flesh and blood. I think that there's a world where it's like, yes, all the rate matters. Mm -hmm. But once everyone is playing just all the good cards on rate, then the context matters again. <laughs> like once once everyone is already doing that. Yeah, like like it's like, you know, 
here, here's an uh, analogous situation. It's like, you know, does the better player win? What if you give him a worse deck, right? Mm. But like once you guys are playing the same deck, then play skill matters again, right? Like that's sort of how I think about it, right? Like, yeah, it, like, you know, a lot of mid players hide behind context based evaluations, but I view playing good cards as like that's how you get into the realm where your context starts mattering. Mm. You're like, you have to be doing, you must be this tall to ride, you know, like you, you like you're acting like that's the arcane wisdom where it's like, no, just play good cards. Like, yeah, no, just play good cards. But then once you start doing that, the con you need the context. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a actually very famous, like relatively famous magic player, also flesh and blood player that is like takes a super hard line on this uh his name is matthew fox he's not really famous for the the best reasons <laughs> um, oh yeah he's famous for a flooded strand yes yes but he's yeah. a, he's a he's a very very good player but in terms of non non-context based evaluations um he definitely changed my mind on a lot of things and i don't know i've just seen it it played out in flesh and blood a lot and i know we're going on a tangent here but it is funny how much of a how much of a bell curve it can be and i do believe context does matter i do believe that it is probably is very very important at the top end but I find it leading no, like, people astray more often than not. I think it's a trap that mid players fall into. Mm -hmm. Yes, like absolutely. Like, but that trap isn't believing context matters. That trap is not knowing enough to properly evaluate the context. Mm -hmm. Like Howard, the they're not they're not there. They're not tall enough to ride. Like I've been that player before playing a deck that I had like four reps on and expecting it to be good, right? Like the number one thing you could do to get better at these games is play these games uh, short of, you know, like, you know, getting someone better than you to help you get better at these games, right? Yes. And that's, like, yeah. like the the theory crafting over theory crafting is absolutely a huge, huge weakness. I 100% agree with you. And I am probably the person in the Marvel Snap community who is just like, just play good cards more than anyone else. Like you're preaching to the choir here. But once you're playing the good cards, the context starts mattering again. <laughs> yeah, I just I love it. I love it as a concept because I feel like it has so much depth. Um, and yeah, so many people think about it in different ways when it comes to card games. And you find it, there's a vast spectrum, right? There's the new player, the intermediate player and the advanced player. And sometimes the advanced player has similar thoughts to the 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 ultra noob like the the beginning player and they've gotten there through you know many trials and tribulations and lots of lots of experience i don't i just find the whole conversation fascinating to be honest and how it changes based on card games as well i think marvel snap is particularly interesting because it is so context-based um like you said because of the like, locations let me put it this, way. Just let me so put it this way like when you're when you're prepping for a pro tour mm -hmm. you come up with a mental model of what you expect the metagame to look like and then you pick a deck based on what you expect to be good into that mental model of the metagame. Mm -hmm. That's context. Like, like, yes, you know, you get to the point where you're playing everything that's good. Yeah, that's what the Pro Tour is. You're only playing good decks against good players unless they're playing blue white control for some reason. But like, <laughs> sorry, that joke is like <laughs> no. it's like five years out of date. I'm pretty sure that deck's actually good now. But like the the. The whole point of doing that is to take it take context into account mm -hmm. and so i think the idea that like oh it just doesn't matter just play the good cards is like well once everyone is doing that then yeah the context matters and the skill matters again <laughs> yeah well that 
Yeah, we'll go too much down that rabbit hole because that what you're talking about is macro context when it comes to metagame is different than micro context, which is individual card evaluation, grouping, grouping together individual cards to make make the best deck. But macro context is also interesting in regards to metagames. Like how often do you take yourself off the best deck when you over metagame and you prepare and you try to find the deck that beats the deck or you go too many layers deep, you're layer three on a layer one metagame and you're going deck that beats the deck that beats the deck and you end up playing the bad deck instead of the good deck. Um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I find myself... Oh, I'm so passionate about this topic. I find myself more often than not nowadays just like nihilistically resigning myself to just playing the best deck because I know that I'm an That's idiot. That's not true. I, That's not true. You find yourself more often than not these days resigning yourself to the commentator's booth. No, no, no. I actually, I've retired. <laughs> I've retired. I retired from commentating. I retired. Oh, wait. So, are, wait, does that make you, okay. Are you, are you a washed commentator now or are you an unwashed player? Because mm, like when you're a commentator, player. you washed. immediately become washed, right? Yes. Like that's just how it works. The second you make that transition, washed. Mm. That's that's how it is. Because like a hundred, a hundred thousand people are going to watch you, and they're going to disagree with one thing you said, and you're an idiot because of it, right? Like that's I- I- inevitable. You're you're an idiot to everyone in the world because you uh, no one agrees with you 100 percent of the time, and if everyone agrees with you 99 uh, percent of the time, it doesn't matter because you said that one thing, idiot. Um. So what are you now? I'm a wash player. Um, I think I, okay. I think for different reasons than you stated, I think that most commentators are wash players just because even though, so I always, I was always the, um, like the expert analysis. That's, that's only the name they, I'm not calling that to myself. That's just <laughs> the fucking name they give it. Um, I would always test with a, a pro team and prepare like I was going to yeah. play, but prepare yeah. like I was going to play a tournament. It's different. You're not actually going to play it. So you're not you'd 100% burn. doing it. Yeah. You, you, you'd burn them. Yeah. Mimic as much as I could. Um, so I would, I would be very well prepared. I would understand. Nevertheless, absolutely washed. Absolutely washed compared to the actual players that are, com- that are competing on those circuits. So, uh, yeah, I retired from commentating. It's funny to say retired. I just, I'm done commentating. You didn't even tell me. Well, there's really not much. There's really not much to tell. It's just like uh, for me, the the and sorry to the Marvel Snap listeners, they're like, what, what are we talking about? Uh, for me, the EV of playing is infinitely higher than commentating. That's crazy. Right now. From, I, like, is that actually true in a monetary sense? Absolutely. Or is it just like your personal. Really? Yes. Because. Uh, again, sorry to snapshot listeners that are far away from this. Topic. No, no, we're yeah. it's a flesh and blood podcast. The, fle- the, the, the flesh and blood podcast is a competitive podcast. There is uh, yeah. a Patreon that has deck decks, deck guides. So, like everything that I do in the space as a, as a player funnels back into the brand. So there's that, which is not a, you can't put an exact number on that, but it's non-zero for sure. That when I commentate, it's less you know there's less conversion to the back end and like everything hmm. we do there. Um, less less respect in the community, but also like we have a team like we have sponsors we have a team like all of these things to, like, like it's all symbiotic now that's just better for me to play and uh sorry to anybody who's an aspiring commentator in any card game um it's a tough space for sure but you know compensation trends downwards you know gigs are not guaranteed it's just like it's it's tough so i would rather yeah i'm just gonna go back to playing because it's also fun playing is also very okay fun. yeah yeah, I guess we didn't talk about that, but yeah, this this year I'll be playing on the on the Pro Tour and the World Championships. First one is PTLA. Yeah, good luck. I thought we we're gonna. When are we gonna see you out there? You were talking <laughs> about. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell tell them to get me one of those invites. You get me like one of those free influencer invites. You know what I mean? They don't exist. But for the for the slow price of five hundred dollars, you can buy one. Oh uh, Jesus! Yeah, yeah. Or you can go qualify. I mean, up to you. All yeah. right. 
Next question. Dustin Backey. I mean, Glenn responded to someone saying they hinted he wanted this se- that he wanted the season to be a big dumb guy season. Planet oh Hulk. God. What, oh my god! What? I'm so I'm so mad about this. What if they tune I'm back? So mad about the this. early scalers intentionally oh. to make it a big dumb guy season, and will adjust accordingly later. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Okay, this is just classic internet bullshit, right? It, it, it takes a comment and blows it up with a magnifying glass until it explains four months of behavior. Let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. They started nerfing those early scalers with Angela and fucking Elsa. You think they were doing that three months in advance so they could make Planet Hulk season the big boy season? That is ridiculous. There is a zero percent chance. You like there is not a dev team on Earth competent enough to manage a metagame to make sure that something like that happens. It does not exist. And if it did exist, I love the Marvel Snap devs. It wouldn't be in Marvel Snap Mm. like This is a comment that is very clearly aimed at what are the cards released during the season, right? Like, oh, well, you know, it's Loki season. We wanted Loki to matter. Oh, it's Elsa season. We wanted Elsa to matter. Oh, it's Planet Hulk season. We wanted big guys to matter. What does that mean every single time? It means they released cards that work with them. Oh, we wanted big guys to matter. So we printed Kyhera. Oh, we wanted big guys to matter, so we printed Scar. It does not mean, oh, we wanted big guys to matter, so we systematically nerfed everything that could reasonably scale upwards, so you had to play big guys, get fucked, idiot. Mm. That said, they did do that. It just wasn't because of this. It wasn't by <laughs> it wasn't by intelligent yes. design. What there's no, like, like they um, did they did in I do believe they intentionally were like we should nerf the scalers. I think they did that. Yeah. I don't think it was because of fucking Planet Hulk season. That's insane, right? Like like it, it's taking two things that are correct on their own and adding them up into like a crackhead stew. Mm. It is, I, I this is. And I'm sorry for being so harsh on the person who asked this question, who I'm sure it was just like well-meaning, but like this is why I kind of despise the dev Q&A stuff is because they'll say like the most anodyne thing. Oh, we wanted big guys to be good in the Planet Hulk season. Very obviously referring to we printed some cards that were good with big guys. Right? <laughs> that is the very obvious interpretation of that sentence. And then everyone is like. Do you think they fucked with the entire metagame for the last three months to make this happen? Oh, my God. Like, it's like, no, dude, <laughs> they printed Scar and Kyra. Like, I, what do you want from me? Like, no, I, 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 I am fairly certain that they did not nerf all of those scalers in order to make big guys better. I think that is... Like there's just just but they did nerf the scalers and make they the did. guys better. They did nerf the scalers. And we are in the Planet Cult season. Correct. Like it's just like there's no it's just, it's really, connection it's really, between. It's just not looking. Right. It's not looking like it's in your favor right here, Cam. Yeah, <laughs> it is true that they nerfed Angela three months ago, and it is currently Planet Hulk season right now. That is correct. Like that is a good point. Foresight. No, but for real though, for real though, like it's like uh. I have you ever seen this is going to sound so mean. Have you ever seen the Marvel Snap devs plan three months ahead? Nope. (laughs) Come on now, man. This is coming from the team that released Loki. No. (laughs) Yeah. 
dial it the fuck back, okay? Like this is like a fallacy that I hear. Uh, it's like it's regarded to like any sort of conspiracy theory. Like a lot of conspiracy theories is like they always assume like sort of intentional design or uh, or, or what do they call it? <laughs> Not intellectual thought, but something like you know basically intentional design and like you know actual thought and it's like most of these teams are you know kind of making it day by day and they're not playing yeah. these things like, like months and months and this is this is <laughs> this is the team that made blob true <laughs> like, it's is... also the team that nerfed blob so true yeah no but now okay but like they nerfed blob in the middle of planet hulk season the big boy season really they nerfed the biggest boy in the middle but they were so clearly making their balance about it being a big boy there's a how can they do this in my how can they do theory this? now yeah how could they do this this is well no, they, they didn't even revert high evo hulk in Planet Hulk season? <laughs> oh my god. No. Like, what, is, what is the next season called? I don't even know. Do you know? Uh, Black Order. Okay. Wow. It's Thanos. It's Thanos. It's Thanos' goons. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll keep an Again, eye out for the data, systematic okay, look, nerfs. Hold on. Data mind. Ah. So, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> like, don't yes, worry. It's, suppos it's supposedly Black Order. And I'm going to be honest with you. I looked at those cards and... <laughs> I made this pitch in my video, which is uh, you guys got to get rid of Lockjaw for Thanos's sake, because like you look at all those Black Order cards and it's like, oh, you know, this would be I can play this in a Thanos deck. That's an interesting thing. And then it's like, why the fuck would I do that when I could just Lockjaw? Yeah. <laughs> why the fuck would I play a four nine when what? I could Lockjaw into a one twelve? Like, what, what are we my, talking about? Lockjaw is my least favorite card in the game. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. This is now this is now an official anti Lockjaw podcast. Yeah. I, I think they need to save Lockjaw, save Thanos from Lockjaw. Yeah, for sure. Like, especially going into a season themed about him. Yeah. Get rid of the dog. My my issue, Old Yeller. my issue is that I feel like Lockjaw is like the perfect encapsulation of like what Marvel Snap wants to be. For some I also am worried about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It is exactly like the super like, but like I have thought Lockjaw was nerfable since the first month I played this game. Yeah, uh, there was a there was a leaderboard that yeah. I finished fourth on in the wave season and they gave us little text interviews. And in my text interview, I, I was the only person of the 10 people they interviewed who said they asked us, like, what card do you think is overpowered? I was the only person who had Lockjaw on yeah, my list. Lockjaw wasn't like crazy back it. then, too, right? Like, it wasn't that crazy, but I was just like, you're going to have to do something about it eventually. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, this is just that's why nobody yeah, else you're going to do it. It, it wasn't yeah. the number one deck. You just saw the card and you're like, this card sucks. <laughs> no, it's messed up. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, that that's never going to do anything balanced in a million years. OK. Yeah, it does make Thanos way less fun. Um, anyway, on to the yeah. next one. Alejandro. Um, I've never played or invested in any other live service uh, card game before, but uh, I've been playing since the Morales season pass, and I love this game. I don't consider myself a whale or anything. Usually just buy the season pass and save my gold for good bundles. I don't think SD wants us to have every card out there, and that's okay. They certainly don't. Uh, there's plenty of archetypes and cards to play, and if you need to learn them, there's, there's proving grounds. Anyways, don't know why I rambled on about this, but I thought I'd share my experience with the game. I don't ever make infinite even, just get my 500 gold at rank 9 and call it a day lol i also share a birthday with marvel snap on october 18th i picked out this comment because i think it's just great to get people that have this you know hold this side of the line or have this point of view because we always get the other side you know we always get the other side the person that it doesn't it's nice to meet someone who touches grass 
Yeah, something like this that. is a comment from someone who touches grass. They're like they sound like a well-adjusted human being who understands the priorities in their life. They can play the game to have fun. You know, they can yeah, actually have fun yes. playing the game rather than like they're obsessed yes. with like getting infinite. They don't get infinite. They're not. You know, they don't have any self-worth. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who would those yeah. people be? Um, well, if it helps, you don't have any self-worth if you do get infinite. So you yeah. know, jot that down. Oh God. Um, yeah, it's just good. It's great to get a sort of positive outlook on this. Um, we don't we don't hear a lot from that side, um, so that's why I picked up the comment. I like it. I did like particularly. I don't think SD wants us to have every card. I don't know. I think they do want you to have every card, but you gotta pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pay for it. Um, I I this just it, it always makes me giggle a little bit because I still get targeted by this Ben Brode advertisement. Oh, the don't pay for power ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a little outdated. You know, maybe they should take that one off their media campaign, maybe refilm it, but <laughs> it always makes me giggle when I get targeted by that. Anyway, next one, Dustin. Um, if they had a seasonal release set, uh, release set, so this is in regards to us talking about, you know, they currently release cards weekly, and we talked about like, oh, they could batch release them at the season or something like that. He said, if they did that, I'd be out. I love how quickly the meta changes and how there are always new strategies to explore. I think that is correct. Right. Like you don't want to get rid of the balance thing because of the incongruence with the monetization. You want to fix the monetization to be more congruent with balance. Agree. What I would like is both. <laughs> uh, I know it's a lot to ask, but I do like the weekly card releases. And I do think that when they released, you know, She-Hulk and Thanos, like that was awesome as well. And it'd be cool if on the season reset, if we could get a couple, I know we kind of get that now, but um, if we could get that batch release again, that's a lot to ask and it's probably unrealistic, but I do think both systems have their merits and they would work together. Um, they'd be very symbiotic together. They wouldn't be cannibalistic of each other. So maybe both. That's a lot to ask. I know. All right. Next one's from- That me. is a lot to ask. Hey, but I'm paying thousands of dollars to play this game. I can ask a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next one is Will. They say, I think Cam's Discord rubbed off on me somehow because I'm just racking up Phoenix Force wins. It's true. My Discord loves Phoenix Force. It's it there, there, there's like several subcults in my Discord, which I encourage all of them because I think it's extremely funny that there's just like deck threads that contain entire communities that never leave the deck thread. It's I, I that's so cool to me. I, I I I try to take a hands off approach with it where like, you know, I'll I'll go where I'm wanted. And if uh, they don't want me going in there and being like, yo, this deck sucks, I, I, I won't do it. I will let them I, I will take that hands off approach and you can just go nuts in my discord as long as you aren't a complete asshole. Well, as soon as Phoenix Force is good, you know, everybody's going to that threat. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Tens of thousands of lines have been written on theory regarding Phoenix Force. Oh, man. Uh, I, I, it is just phenomenal how many, like, <laughs> just go to my Discord and it's like, okay, there are, like, you, you look at, you look at the, the, the decks for them, right? And it's like, okay, we got a deck, we got a deck, we got a deck, we got a deck, we got a deck. All right, this one has 20 posts in it. This one has 1,600. This one has 1,100. This one has 200, 4, 36, 24, 6,000. Yeah. <laughs> Delta is insane here. Reminds me of, uh, I played a game called Grand Archive once, and Grand Archive is this like ultra high-powered card game, uh, crazy combo decks, like turbo drawing, like so many cards a turn, uh, and it was like hero-based. And there was this one hero yeah. that just sucked. 
Uh, it probably doesn't suck anymore. But in the first set, it sucked. It was named, the name was Sylvie. And it was like this ultra fair, like creature based hero. And then I remember I was looking at the Discord and there's these threads on decks. And one of them was like, make Sylvie good. And it had like so many freaking comments. And like the thread was like <laughs> yeah, so, so invested. I have, okay. I have, there is a Thanos lockjaw thread posted by the human spider back in january of last year right oh like this God. is like where the where the archetype legitimately originated the when you go click it the top post is uh from january 18th 2023 and the deck is sunspot nightcrawler quinjet armor lockjaw blue marvel vision thanos america chavez she hulk magneto and the infinite i played that deck yeah <laughs> And uh, that one has 6,000 posts, but then the, the coup de gras is there's a scams Thanos thread, which has 15,000 fucking posts. <laughs> and that one is like explicitly not Lockjaw Thanos, like explicitly the Profex type Thanos. And they have been playing it for exactly as long. It's from like the top post in there is from I don't even know how to get to the top in it, actually. I cannot get to the top in it. Never mind. Yeah, I cannot get in the top, get to the top in it. But like, yeah, it is. It is a really impressive uh, piece of piece of uh, Internet. Yeah, I would say Marvel Snap literature at this point. Yeah, Marvel Snap literature. Yes. All right. Our last question or comment here is from Atomaly. Uh, they say second dinner seems intent on making Snap even higher variance than it currently is, and I find it frustrating and boring. They keep nerfing every reliable. They? they keep nerfing every reliable scaling card and take the low at the low end out of every decent combo in the game. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they want everything to just be a giant casino. Lockjaw. Maybe their data shows that it's more possible to just build a slot machine Skinner box. I don't think that's a fair or accurate description of anything they've done recently. Actually, I think that is. Uh, yeah, I would describe that as a pretty unfair description, because like you talk about how these early scalers are consistent, but it's like, well, no, they fucking aren't. You need to draw them early. That's like the whole point. You didn't draw them early. Oh, you're fucked. Your deck doesn't work now. Right. Like this is uh, it's actually. I actually think that attacking those early scalers, making your balance strategy around that is an attempt at, you know, changing that dynamic of mm -hmm. oh well we're playing a mirror i drew angela you didn't draw angela fun game it's over on turn two yeah like that is uh it's actually probably good that there are not cards that win the game extremely early coming down extremely early i don't really think just any of that description or characterization of how they're doing balance is accurate in any way shape or form it is once again ascribing motivation to something that is like it doesn't map on that motivation doesn't map on. If they wanted the game to be like RNG, blah, 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 blah. Why does Hella always suck? Like if that's what they wanted the game to be, why is it always so goddamn bad? Why is the best deck always some sort of like Zabu and tech cards bullshit? <laughs> like or why do they Loki, right? That's the meta. Yeah. We just came out of like many months of Loki being the best deck, and that is uh, yeah. very much not a casino. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like it's like the loosest sense of casino. It's like oh, you're getting random opponents' cards. It's like who gives a shit? They're they're unfair. Like. Yeah. Yeah, they're all, not, they, all they all cost one less and I got six of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh no, the RNG. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. I only got half their deck. <laughs> <Just like> <laughs> shit.
Uh, like it's like yeah no i i just don't think that's an accurate description of the game over the last year in any way shape or form uh yeah i, I think that they Sorry. do i think marvel sap does like some of the rng elements you know they do like to make those ceilings pretty high but like you said like hello hello is not consistent and therefore it is bad um but i don't think it's think like they, a um, core I think they do it pretty well yeah. i think like they balance rng high rolls with more consistent decks fairly well yeah one thing i do wish is i think killing the angela stuff like that engine Mm -hmm. was the engine that competed with zabu stuff for being a mid-range deck and right now there is no way to play mid-range without zabu stuff and i would like another way to do that but i don't particularly think that they were attempting to kill consistency and make RNG decks better. That seems ridiculous to me. Yeah. Uh, that said, you know, I have the same gripes with Lockjaw. I just don't think it's like, you know, oh, we got to keep Lockjaw around because we want high rolling to matter. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's why it's around. Still. And they did take the low end out of, uh, he said at every decent combo, I'd say the only decent combo in the game, which was Galactus, but, you know. What, what, it, what, what actually... <laughs> What actually are decent combos that have had the low end taken out of them? Um, I don't know. Uh, I have to think about like, what, what, is a de- like, what is a decent com- what was a decent combo deck in this game. I mean, Galactus is a decent combo deck. Um, I can't. I can't think of one. Yeah. What's uh? Was is this Thanos is uh is scam? Is that a combo deck? No, not a combo deck. Yeah, combo is a funny word. It's nobody can describe combo accurately. Everybody has their own definition. Um. So yeah, what is it? What's, what's a combo? Is that two? Is it two cards? Is it a synergy? Is it a deck that only does I, one I feel thing? like combo deck to me refers to you know a uh, deck that doesn't function when it doesn't do the thing that it wants to do, but when it does do the thing that it wants to do, becomes unbeatable. Decks that have like high high cube rates relative to their win rates tend to be like in that vein. Something like Mister Negative, something like Living Tribunal, something like Hella. Those are combo decks of various flavors, right? And I don't think we need to get into like defining it because. It's like the Supreme Court definition of pornography. You know it when you see it and getting into defining it just lets people fuck around and play games with words when they don't even really care enough to do it. So I'm not going to get into defining combo. You can't fucking make me. (laughs) I am just going to like I'm going to I'm just going to Chad Wojak. I've already depicted myself as the Chad Wojak and you as the soy Wojak. This argument is over. I am. You are the chat. You are the soy Wojak saying, but you need to define what combo is. It means so many things to different people. And I am the Chad Wojak that just says, no, this argument's over. It's over. I've already depicted you as the soy Jack. All right. Well, combo. Uh, good luck defining it. And whatever. That's my combo. Whatever. My combo <laughs> is, 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 is soy Wojak and Chad Wojak and they equal. I win this argument. Yeah. Um, yeah, combo. The de- I actually think the definition of combo is fascinating. Uh, mind you, <laughs> but I will not. I will not torture you all with the definition of combo. Uh, honestly, one-liner here. I'm just gonna go out with that. Like uh, com- <laughs> combo, combo as an English word does not encapsulate <laughs> all the strategies that are that fall under that umbrella, and therefore the word is drastically misused. Um, nevertheless, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Um, I was- <laughs> I was on a- it's over, Brendan. I've already depicted you as the soy jack. All right, all right, all right. All right. So, Thanos, where does uh, what is it? What does it lie now with the blob nerf? Like, just to just, just yeah, it's good. Just same deck. It's good. Just te- <laughs> just tell me 
what the metagame is in less than 60 seconds after these nerfs, these OTA changes. Where is the okay, metagame there's Thanos decks that look relatively similar and there's Thanos decks that don't look very similar, but they're still both playing Blob. Most of them are still playing Lockjaw. Some of them are playing Loki as Mirror Tech. There are decks that use Zabu, Miss Marvel tech packages, and that includes Sarah, that includes Loki, that includes Darkhawk, that includes Black Knight. Those are all kind of in the same archetype. There are decks that people are playing that I think are pretty cope, but have good numbers on the data websites. That would be like Destroy, She Not, Discard. I think those are all pretty complete ass. I, I tried Destroy. It sucks. But it exists because it's a new metagame. People just want to play something that is actually good and proven. It's like their safe space. So there's those decks. And then I'm pretty sure there's a good Annihilist deck out there. I don't know exactly what it is, but uh, I've seen like, you know, Annihilist Darkhawk with uh, Eliath in it. I've seen, you know, Annihilus Bounce. That's like been one that I've championed before. And then there's like the other kind of decks, which are just like these decks that are just doing points. So like traditional bounce falls in here. Uh, the like move decks with dagger fall in here. Where like these decks that are just doing points and just instantly lose to, say, Living Tribunal. Uh, other deck that exists, probably Hella exists, but it it's still Hella, but it does exist. And I think that's pretty much the metagame in uh, however long that was. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought that was great. Um, I actually want to put this out to, to the, I almost said chat. What the fuck? I'm not a streamer. To the listeners, I think we should have a new section. At the end of every mm. pod, which is the metagame. If, it's, if it's making me do that, I yeah. swear to God. Metagame is 60 seconds. I like it. I'm going to quit. <laughs> it's, really, it's really good. I mean, it's great. It's just everything you need. It's I love it. Uh, I love it. Let us know if you want if you want that. I'll leave oh it up to them. God. Not me. Not me. Now that I've said that, though, a bunch of people are going to be like, yeah, we want that. Fuck. Kana. I thought it was legitimately good. All right. All okay. right. Anyway, if you're listening to this podcast, you enjoy the number one thing you do is leave us a review. On ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot, or you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps more than anything else you can do in your life. Uh, there's a video version of this on YouTube, youtube.com slash- In your life. You got that? At the underscore snapshot. Hit that like, subscribe while you're there. Twitter's up right APG, KM Best MS. KM is streaming in the evenings. Evenings. Sometimes. I do things. Yeah, no, I mean, there's Twitch drops, so do check me out on the Twitch drops day. I'm going to be going uh, pretty long. I have some obligations on Wednesday and my stream schedule is going to get a little bit weird uh, this weekend. My dad has a medical issue, so I'll be visiting him and also catching up with some friends. So I'll probably be streaming from my dad's house on like Friday and Monday and likely not streaming Saturday, Sunday. But uh, hopefully I'll be able to get streams in on all those days and it'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, I just want to give a final shout out to the uh, Cam Best Discord as well. I mean, Cam talked about all those different deck threads and all the different communities that are brewing all those interesting decks. Uh, go check it out. I mean, that's a great resource. Uh, like you said, January of last year, developed some of these archetypes, debatably developed. It is Lockjaw. literally where the original Thanos yeah. Lockjaw deck is. So yes. check it out. It's a, it's a good resource. It really is. Um, but thank you all so much for listening. I'll see you next week.